Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. From Nice Guy Productions World Headquarters, overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, I'm Mick Garris, and this is the fun size edition of Postmortem AMA, where you can ask me anything. And asking your questions is none other than producer Joe Russo himself. Producer Joe, how are you? We're on strike, Mick. Yeah, we got a theme show today. Yes, we sure do. Uh, The Writers Guild of America is on strike. And that includes you and me. Big time. Yeah, Yeah. it does indeed. So we got lots and lots of questions from our listeners. uh, And I'm sure as we go through them and answer them, we will get a lot of our thoughts out. uh, Because you and I haven't really had a chance to catch up since the the strike was called uh, early last year. It's true. It's true. We've been out on the picket lines, both of us. And uh, proudly so. And Joe... You are a captain, a strike captain for part of our uh, your own very own team segment of the Writers Guild. Yes, yes. I was assigned about 25 writers or so that it's my job to keep them abreast as to uh, what is happening in the ongoings of the, uh, you know, the guild conflict with the studios, the uh, collective organization, the AMPTP. Um, and, uh, this is a, this is a big, important one. There's more at stake here since probably the time when the guilds were created and those guilds were responsible for there being residuals, the director's guild, the writer's guild, the screen actors guild, if they didn't exist because of really, really hard work by these guilds, um, there would be no residuals. And a lot of people make their living off of the residuals of previous successes that they've had. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a, a, a funny tweet that was like, uh, you know, well, you're you're not a gig economy because you have benefits. And it's like, but we only have benefits because we went on strike. You know? That's right. That's <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. So, uh, no. So so let's uh, let's get into it and we can kind of parse through these questions and talk about our experience this week, because I think it's been it's been an emotional one. Um, yeah, definitely. So let's uh, let's dive in. Um, John writes, do you feel there is more support across the industry and the general public for the writer strike during this strike than previous strikes? If so, why do you think that is? I think you're better suited to answer this, Mick, than I, because I was not here for the last writer strike. Well, yeah, I've been through three or four of the writer's strikes. Uh, I started, uh, I joined in 1986, and then there was a strike shortly thereafter, um, But um, I really do feel there is, because there's more at stake this time, in terms of streaming, there's virtually no residuals at all in streaming. They they pay your fee, and that's the last money you see from it, no matter how successful it is. Um, So it also affects all of the other categories and the other unions, the guilds, uh, the Writers Guild, uh, Directors Guild, and Screenwriters Guild, or Actors Guild are all, the Screen Actors Guild, are all affected by what takes place here. The Writers Guild has always been more bold than the other ones and willing to go out for one reason, because so many members of the Writers Guild, such a huge percentage, don't make a living off of writing, and they're able to do that. Um, But it's also, um, there were one of the screen 
Writers Guild is what they were called originally when they were formed. But there's so much more at stake with, with streaming and other things, AI and all of, all of the things that affect and the size of writers' rooms and the numbers of shows that are created each season for each series, things like that. A lot of things at stake, but primarily, and the one that affects everybody the most is the streaming issue. And that's very important. Yeah. Um, one one little little note though. Um, the only writers who were able to vote in the strike authorization vote, which which allowed our leaders to call the strike, are actually working writers. Um, so not all of the writers who are in the guild and are not currently active uh, were not able to actually participate in that decision. Uh, right, but so, even actors who are term or writers who are termed working writers not all of them necessarily sure yeah but they would they had to have been employed in the last six years uh right so it's not like someone who from 2003 who hasn't worked since you know is is calling for a strike you know what i mean um right no these are all people who who are qualified and people who have been directly impacted by some of these uh you know things that we're striking against right so um just just a little caveat no you know thanks for clearing that up yeah no of course uh i just didn't want to you know everyone to think there's a bunch of unemployed people on the guilds who wanted a strike i don't think that's necessarily entirely accurate uh right right but but um i stand corrected <laughs> uh captain joe uh <laughs> <laughs> captain joe he's captain been joe. producer joe he's been pizza joe and now he's captain joe strike currently, captain currently joe. i'm captain joe i i look forward to when this uh war is over and i can re- retire from the front lines though uh but but you know i would say aside from a couple of elon musky blue check people on twitter you know telling me to go get a real job and a real career uh instead, instead of striking um i feel like there is a huge amount of support in the public and i feel like um we're winning the war on social media yeah, well, that's another thing too. There wasn't social media before. Right. Social media is having a huge effect in being able to communicate with not just two minutes of a news report on on the ABC News every night. Um, this is something that's pervasive. There are a lot of creatives who have a very active social media and and wide-reaching social media, and they can make their case clearly. Uh, to a very broad base. Yeah, I mean, I I tweeted uh, from the Shrine Auditorium the other night where they had a big WGA meeting, um, which which I attended. There was about two thousand writers in attendance, which was a very big pep rally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to say the um, least. But I tweeted from there, and you know, it got uh, millions of views and like 60,000 likes or something. It was crazy. Wow. I, had to, I had to mute the thread because it was like draining my <laughs> phone battery on the picket line. But uh, but it got picked up in deadline. It got picked up in the ankler. It got picked like it, you know. Well, that's because it was Joe Russo. That's right. That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't don't tell deadline. They've, they, yeah. they, oh, they it's the other they, Joe Russo. They threw, put three of my tweets uh, on their site last week. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, no, you know, actually one of the times, actually, no, that specific time, deadline attributed it to me correctly the ankler did not (laughs) i saw the deadline yeah Yeah. um so but but you know long long story short is you know mix right like our our messaging is getting out there and it's getting out there more clearly 
than I think it probably has or ever has in, in years past, uh, which I think yeah. is going to be a huge um, boon in terms of fighting what is likely going to be a very, very long battle. Yeah, the last one was 100 days, um, which is a long time. Uh, I expect this one to go at least that long. I hope it doesn't. Well, there's one there's one thing about the, the support that I wanted to talk about that might actually factor into uh, the timing of the strike. Um, I'm sure you've heard, uh, I know you weren't there, but I'm sure you've heard uh, the first time ever, my understanding, this is the first time this has ever happened, all of the heads of the labor unions were at this WGA meeting at the Shrine right. Wednesday yeah. night, including DGA and SAG, uh, the Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. Um, they've never officially come out and stood in solidarity like that before with the writers, correct? Not officially, but individually, a lot of them have. Yeah. In, in the past, 2007, 88, whenever, um, they definitely uh, came out but not necessarily officially sanctioned by the heads of the union. Yeah. It felt historic. It felt yeah. like, Oh, it is. The, the fact that everyone was at that meeting together is a, a big deal. I do feel like if the next six weeks, while the directors guild and SAG negotiate their contracts, uh, which expired June 30th, mm -hmm. I think we're going to, that timeline could be, expanded like nick said or even collapsed depending on how those negotiations proceed um because i can't see a world where you know sag dga and the wga all go out on strike on june 30th i can't see how the studios last very long yeah you know? if, if that were to happen that would be We've never had the DGA and the and the Screen Actors Guild go on strike. So if there were that trifecta of craft guilds go out on strike, there that would be the most crippling thing to the studio's point of view. Yeah, because they literally Hollywood would shut down. They would there would be nothing being made. They would have no content to sell. And if you have no content to sell, your stocks are going to get hammered. So right. um, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see how these next few weeks proceed. Yeah. Um, well, let's see what other questions we have about this. Oh, we have plenty. Don't worry, Mick. Cinedine uh, <laughs> VR writes, since residuals are a big part of the WGA's asks, I have a question about backend. How many movies do you have net points on? And have you ever been paid any back? Well, interesting that you ask i i have points in a couple of them um but most of my work has been in television rather than in features but as a writer and as a director i've had uh, uh points uh in television you don't get a back end other than residuals right um so you don't get a percentage of profits or sales or anything like that so in my entire career the amount I've gotten back from my points is zero. Wow. Over my entire career. Wow. Uh, my, my much shorter career. Um, I've had, <laughs> I've had backend on, on uh, all of my movies so far too, uh, with the exception of, of maybe one or two of them. Um, and I have yet to see a single dollar of net 
back-end profit either. Yeah, you'd, you'll learn not to expect it because creative Hollywood financing is a fact of life and it's been so um, since the beginning. You know, if you can't hide it, even on movies that have made hundreds of millions of dollars in profit, they're able yeah. to hide it through marketing costs and various uh, shell games that they play. But if you want to work again with James Cameron or with James Wan or with anybody who is a proven moneymaker or the actors, then first of all, the big time guys get their percentages of the gross rather than of the net. Yes. Huge difference. Huge difference. <laughs> because you can hide all of the profits and show no net profits. Right. But if your points are on the gross, that's a different thing. And, and that's what the big name people do. But the yeah. studios know that big names mean big box office. If, if you're talking about Tom Cruise, you better pay him his, uh, his uh, percentages or right. he goes to another studio. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is why the guild fighting for residuals in the past and fighting for streaming residuals now is so important because residuals is actual money that you see from these movies revenues, right? I mean, Mick, you've, you've seen right. that is where you see your quote unquote back end is through your residual payments. Yeah. Yeah. And in television, the first time something reruns, you get paid 50% of what you got paid for the original run and then it goes in half every time you go down. So uh, there are literally uh, residual checks that I get that are in uh, have no dollars, just cents. It costs <laughs> but, more but to- those, But those first several payments that you got on them. Yeah, first, oh yeah. Those, those are the things that help try, that, that float a writer during the leaner times while they're looking for the next job. Because a lot of writers don't get a, a, a big portion of their pay unless and until a movie gets made or a right. TV show gets made. Right. There's the production bonus, which is often equal to or exceeding your original paycheck for the writing of the script. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and while you're chasing pitches and, and open writing assignments and open directing assignments, the idea is these residual monies are supposed to help keep you afloat while you do that. So you can support a professional career and with streamers cutting the residual stream out uh, it's, it's made it almost impossible for people to keep doing that. Yeah. Because now most people consume their media through streaming and once you're paid, that's the end of it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. Woody Wood Pickle. No, he's back. He's back. Woody Woodpickle asks, I thought WGA writers were supposed to be paid for their work. Why are there so many claiming they're doing free work when they shouldn't be? And what kind of free work are they doing? Well, they shouldn't be. If you're working for a guild signatory and all of the studios are guild signatories, then they are obligated to pay you for the de development. Right. A lot of people only want to see something after you've worked out a pitch or written a script on your own. If you are doing actual screenwriting for a guild signatory and they're not paying you, then you and the signatory are both breaking very crucial and fundamental rules established by the Writers Guild. Yeah, uh, but the problem is it's become a very common practice 
for producers to basically play gatekeepers for the studios. Uh, they prevent drafts from reaching the studio execs so that you can't get your delivery payments until you do the quote unquote producers pass. And right. that's all of their notes. And so, so what you're seeing people complaining about are um, these, these essentially these producers who are supposed to be our partners in this and, and they want you know, they want to get the movie made too, because that's when they get paid. They want to make sure they're putting what they believe is the best version of the draft in front of the studio so that they can get a green light. Uh, but in doing that, they're preventing writers from getting paid and they're stretching out the timetable that the writers are working on these drafts to the point where it's crunching the ma- money down almost to nothing. Which uh, again is not right and not part of the MBA set out by uh, the Writers Guild. I mean, producers often are signatories as well to be yeah. able to develop the script, but and they are breaking the rules by doing that. And to for them to ask for multiple drafts to do a producer's draft is really wrong. Uh, but I understand if you're somebody trying to make your living and trying to make it into the world of filmmaking, you're going to be taken advantage of by some unscrupulous producers. And I mean, I know it's a shock to hear that there are unscrupulous producers <laughs> in Hollywood, but it uh, it turns out that it's a fact of life. And the best you can do is hope to work with ethical producers. Yeah. And, um, but know, sometimes but, it's not even just the producers. Sometimes it's the, the execs playing games with the producers too. I mean, let's not absolve the studios and the streamers in this situation yeah well if it's the execs if it's the studios the networks or the streamers then they are infringing upon the rules laid out by the writers guild mba totally i mean you know there was a a project we had go into production that was set up at a, a streamer level studio and uh we turned our rewrite into the producer and because we turned it into the producer when the studio came back and asked for more notes, they said, well, you guys never officially turned it into the studio. Like you still have to, you have to go back and do these additional notes because technically you never completed your draft. Yeah. Uh, You only get paid when the draft is turned into the studio, which is, which was, which was not, not cool because they basically got a second draft for free, you know? Um, And, and they don't care. They don't care. No, they don't care. And of course, you know, it fell on us to not be the greedy writers because come on, you just got to do this. And then we're, we're going into production, you know? Yeah. So, we're all on the same team. Yeah. Here, right? No, I know. You're it's, a team was, player, right? It was very gross when Carol Lombardini at the AMPTP this week uh, called free work collaboration. Uh, yeah. But the problem is if one side of the table is getting paid to yes. collaborate and the other side is not, that's called exploitation, not collaboration. Yeah. Yes, they get a check every week. Yep. And believe it. then they decide when they give us the checks and uh, make all make up all the rules. Well, that's the whole purpose of the Writers Guild. And they, I've got to tell you, I've been doing a lot of work with the Guild who've been very helpful on various issues. Right now I'm having hocus pocus issues that I'm not afraid to say. Um, and the Writers Guild is really coming to bat for us, me and David Kirshner, who created the whole whole thing. That's great. Um, yeah, and so I love my guild and I feel indebted to them and every working writer should be because you wouldn't have the benefits you have if 
some really hardworking writers didn't give up a lot to create the Screenwriters Guild. The, the the guild staff is is pretty incredible they're to. amazing they're um, legal uh their lawyers and all they're they're I just mean, the, fa- the fact that we were able to call a strike at um you know 9 p.m on a monday night and have thousands of writers in the picket line by tuesday morning i mean it's it's an incredibly well-oiled machine solidarity solidarity all <laughs> right adam asks uh what do you think is the main issue with paying writers what they deserve? And must WGA writers absolutely cease writing or can they still write stuff at home? They just can't turn pages in. It's kind of two questions. Let's take the first one first. Yeah. Well, it's, it's streaming is, is the main issue. Um, And the residuals that go along with that. There are other things too. There, like I said earlier, the size of the writer's room, um, in uh, in series television yeah. and ai issues um right and Which i know we'll we're going to get to that later yeah. but um so it, but it's primarily the streaming issue yeah i think i think the problem is the way the studios are primarily uh incentivized is through stock and their stocks are uh only ever go up with constant growth and, you know, obviously company expansion is a good way to show that growth. And the other way is to cut costs uh, and trying to basically limit uh, writers and find ways to undercut us. They see that as a way to save money and grow their stock prices. Uh, right. The problem is we create the content for them. And without us, there is no content. Uh, and so that's basically what the, the strike is about is, is choking the pipeline down to nothing so that their stocks take a hit and they go, Oh shit, we have the, the best way back to growth is to give the writers what they want. Um, oh, just, just a fair share. We're not asking for a lot at all. No, we're not. We're asking for, for less than 2% of their profits. Uh, you know, and just to put it in context too, there's a great uh, image that went around last week of the, salaries the ceos at some of the biggest entertainment companies paid themselves in bonuses uh i don't know if you saw it mick but but oh, i did yeah it was eight eight men uh if you add up all the money that they paid themselves it's almost double what the writers guild is asking for yeah uh, oh for i'm not surprised but i i want to make it clear too that it's not just a self-centered issue about the entertainment industry you know everybody the the corporate heads of every industry are greedy it's it's why why they're there and they're the exploitation of workers is tremendous in all industries um and the fight against there being unions and guilds has been going on for quite a while and it's a struggle because people most people get their work their insurance through their jobs right and any benefits like that and that's the sort of thing we're talking about here. Uh, it's just the the profit issue is so completely out of whack in all industries, but this yeah. is the one we're working within, and this is the one we can speak about. And I do but, think if we're- But it is solidarity, solidarity across the board with workers everywhere. Yeah, yes, I agree. Uh, so the second piece of this question, uh, must WGA writers absolutely cease writing or can they work on stuff at home they just can't turn pages in. Well, that's really up to the writer. You know, if you want to do homework on your own, 
assuming that the strike will end at a certain point, which of course it has to one way or another. Um, it's up to your conscience. Uh, if you're working on something that's important to you, that's your baby that you want to work on, um, th that's up to you. And I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I wouldn't think negatively of anybody who did that, but as far as turning something in, I mean, that's something entirely different. And of, yeah. Course, yeah. of course, you can't turn in any work. No. And anyone who asks for a peek at what you're doing, no, slap no. that wrist. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, you're allowed to write on spec for yourself during this time, uh, but you're not allowed to even turn that material over even to your agents. Uh, the idea is we want to completely shut down the pipeline so that right. we can hopefully make this strike go as fast as humanly possible and resolve as quickly as possible. Right. Uh, so yeah, you can write, you can write, you can write on your own, but uh, you know, the other thing is we're also supposed to be out on the picket line. Uh, we're supposed right. to be showing them that we're not writing. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how you felt getting home after picketing Nick, but I was, I was tired. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to write. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Good for the heart. Yeah. Good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like if I keep this up, I'll be in great shape by the end of the summer. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but kind of along those lines, um, Demir wants to know what can a non-union writer do during a strike and what is considered scabbing? I know you have some experience with this Mick. Yes. Uh, not as a scab, but being scabbed <laughs> on. <laughs> yes. Well, scabbing is writing for a guild signatory without having a guild agreement. Uh, none of the studios are really allowed to do that. And I know there's another question coming up that addresses this more specifically, my experience with fear itself. But one of the things we did, and we may as well tackle it here, is that um, when... Lionsgate bought Masters of Horror. They asked uh, double the price that um, Anchor Bay was getting from Showtime. Showtime passed, and they decided to sell it to NBC. And so I came up with a new title, Fear Itself, but I wasn't going to be involved because it was for network TV, and the whole idea of Masters of Horror was no censorship and no advertising and none of that input, no standards and practices. So we, I was talked into doing the show regardless of those limitations by directors who had worked on Masters of Horror. So I agreed to do it and we went forward and there was an imminent strike. We got a first draft written of all 13 episodes before the strike hit and that year it was on halloween day yeah. so all of them were done before then well there were other uh notes that had to be addressed which is the normal round of events that takes place in writing any project so we had 13 first drafts all done and they hired non-union canadian writers to come in and do all the work from then and i was asked by people who were my managers as well as um, co-executive producers on the project to produce. And I, I said, I cannot take notes and have non-union writers writing this under my overseeing. Yeah. 
Can't. And have that, I, I can't do it in good conscience or in terms of the guild. So basically, my show that I created was stolen and ruined. Uh, and it was, it turned out to not be a successful show at all. There are a couple of good episodes, but it failed miserably on NBC. And it was, you know, the, the writing was subpar. Yeah, uh, you know, I couldn't bring in the writers I'd worked with so so well for these first thirteen drafts, and um, it it was heartbreaking. And but those people who came and wrote on the show, they were scabs. So you know, good luck getting a guild job after that. Oh well, yeah, so so it's it's a great anecdote because. Um, how many of those uh, writers of those episodes of Fear itself that were that scabbed are your 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 favorite writers now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never met any of them. I left the show. No, I wasn't. Than, I mean, that, it was. A, a, a no, I know it was a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> but just to make uh, that clear, that I left that show and I never met those writers. Yeah. And they continued without me. So that there was no real showrunner on but, that, but, other but than managers. Being, it did not launch their careers to do that. In fact, <laughs> it probably hurt their careers in the long term for that short term gain. I and would guess so, although I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to probably do some research, but I, I can I can tell you right now on the top off the top of my head, I can't think of a single scab writer from. 0708 who is a household writing name these days <laughs> i'm uh, sure that's true and and the but the point being uh the writers guild has a rule in place that if you do scab and if you are caught scabbing you will not be a member of the writers guild of america period, uh, period. and as, as someone who has written non-union movies and uh joined the guild and then written union movies i would never want to go back to non-union movies right uh, so the idea of, of losing the Writers Guild benefits forever uh, just to get one thing going right now makes, to me, zero sense. Um, I know there's a lot of writers out there on social media who are like, oh, this is this is my moment. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it is not. Uh, we are effectively fighting for you and f in the hopes that you join the guild in the future. Right. Uh, you're going to want these things that we're trying to get. Uh, yep. And it, it also must be said that there's a really important place for independent non-union movies. You know, they don't have the budgets to, sure. to oversee and pay residuals and do everything above board. You know, Roger Corman for decades upon decades has been making movies not under guild rules, but also launching careers, you know, yep. He's been a stepping stone to some of the greatest filmmakers uh, America has ever known. Absolutely. And the world of independent film is a really crucial part of movies. And, you know, to not have to be a guild writer or director or actor, it's different in that world. But hopefully you get to the point where you do enjoy the benefits of guild membership as your career progresses. Yeah. So I think the, you know, as a rule of thumb, uh, if you, if you think you are, or your situation is the exception to the rule that, that you might not get in trouble with the guild, I would err on the side of caution. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, whatever you're trying to make, or you're talking to someone about making um, during a strike will ultimately end up at one of these companies that is struck uh, for distribution purposes. And 
I wouldn't want to be crossing that picket line, you right. know? So well, this uh, is, uh, this is one of our, uh, this is certainly our most inside Hollywood episode we've ever done. Absolutely. But you know, we've, we've had, a, I've gotten a lot of questions from our listeners about this. Yeah, no, uh, it's so great. I think we, we, you know, just put it out clearly. Like that's, that's, that's what I'm telling people. You know, if, if you can stand in solidarity with the writer's guild during this time, it's about choking out the pipeline and everyone should be doing it especially if you would like to be a member of the writer's guild down the road. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Man of horror asks, uh, and we touched on this a, a little bit with your answer in this last question, but uh, uh, you know, it seems showrunners are once again, facing the challenge you face with fear itself. Uh, Man of horror asks, what are your thoughts on Disney and Warner brothers discovery trying to force showrunners to perform producing services and possibly facing fines in doing so? Well, I think it's unconscionable. Uh, they know the rules. They're supposed to operate under the rules as well as the writers are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rules are you can't write during a strike. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you know, and like I said, I was asked to do producing, which meant giving notes to people to do the writing. Right. And that's the same thing. Well, and, that's, and that's the guild's philosophy this time around is writing is done at every step of the process from conception through post-production right. and even you just giving notes on you know like that that is writing that's right yeah in 2007 it would have been acceptable but it wasn't acceptable to me yeah yeah and that's the right position that's the guild's position yeah. now yeah uh, and they had a big showrunners meeting um as of this recording it was yesterday uh and they've they've essentially asked all showrunners to stop working uh completely uh to shut because the showrunner's main job is the writing, writing. and overseeing yes. the writing and exactly. writing themselves doing the rewrites uh from other writers work and all of that stuff so their main job is writing so if they're being forced to work it's writer's work yeah, and and probably one of the biggest blows to one of the biggest offenders uh, that the guild is fighting against right now, Netflix, uh, the Duffer Brothers, who created Stranger Things, said they will not move forward with production on the final season until this is resolved. Which great, you know what? That's huge. Uh, I really, really commend them for doing that because those kids aren't getting any younger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's, that's Netflix's biggest cash cow and, uh, to deprive them of that, you know, I think, I think next week they're going to, they're going to see that reflected in their stocks, you know, uh, and that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do to win the fight. Um, so, all right, Carl writes, and this is the big one. I read in the Hollywood reporter, an interview with the writers guild of America, where, they said the companies were unwilling to even open a conversation about artificial intelligence. Do you think there's a potential that the studios will try to replace writers with AI? If they do, it will be incredibly stupid because yeah. what you feed into AI is what you get out of it. Yep. And what you don't have is the spark of creativity that comes from the human mind that great artists are great artists because they're unique and individual and capable of thoughts that not everyone has or creations that they have. AI can be taught that stuff, but it's a regurgitation of what has come before and what has been fed into it. 
eventually i'm sure its own self-learning process will allow it to seem creative but it will never be as human as what the stories we tell are you know the the center of any story that engages is its humanity right. and to do creative original things you're not going to get ai to create everything everywhere all at once i yeah. guarantee you and i think humanity is capable of a creative a creativity that is ethereal and you know your your ones and zeros that make up everything that goes into uh, ai chat gpt whatever um uh, is going to come out masticated and the same yeah yeah no i mean obviously chat gpt it's it's at a very nascent stage right now you know i think i don't i think i've told you off mic but i don't know if i remember said it on the show i asked it to help me write a scene with a monster recently just to to see what it would give me you know uh -huh. and uh and it basically had the monster chased them around the house the characters ran outside found some police officers who they sent into the house to arrest the monster uh, oh great idea <laughs> i wouldn't have thought of that so so you know it's it's definitely not in a place where it's very usable yet and i think that honestly is why the guild is in a place where we can force the studios to make some kind of compromise on this because yeah i think you know in the in in their never-ending quest to raise their stocks by cutting costs uh they see artificial intelligence as a way to weed out expensive human writers uh the problem mm -hmm. is the technology is not there yet I, know, I i truly believe that everybody wants to make the best movies possible yes there are businessmen running the studios who want the bottom line but I think they want their movies to be good. And I, I don't think they're looking to fuck over all of the writers, um, you know, but they are taking positions that benefit themselves in ways that exclude the writers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I don't think everybody running the studios is evil. I, I think, think that's true. I think, I think yeah. a lot of the, the execs we inter interface with on the development side i agree with you they want to make yeah. good movies i think we're the people we're talking about are more on the business affairs side the, the legal side the yeah. you know they're the ones who see this this and salivate over the fact that you know they, they don't <laughs> we have can cut something out yeah. yeah exactly uh but you know there's look there's a lot of problems with ai not just the fact that it's not ready yet uh even if the studios would love it to be in the next few months so that they can bring us to our knees, but it's not going to be. And I, I agree with Mick in the long term. I don't think it ever will be for the, all the reasons Mick spoke about. Um, you know, the more AI movies you make, the more AI will start drawing from AI written movies, and it will create a negative feedback loop uh, that will that that will be create a very bad product, and ultimately will kill the golden goose that is the movie industry. Yeah, um, if you think franchises are bad now just wait yeah just you wait yeah no i mean right now we're just dealing with executives trying to put their weight on human writers imagine what happens when executives uh are dealing with a robot that cannot articulate human emotions um so yeah i i think um i think it's look it's overall it's a negative i think the guild is the timing of this fight is the right time 
Uh, yeah. Because if the guild can win this fight against the biggest companies of the world and set a precedent for how to use artificial intelligence, it could have rippling effects across every industry in the world forever. Yeah. Uh, yep. So solidarity. Here, 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 here. Solidarity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of the future, one final question, Mick. Travolta Russell Jedi Trekkie asks <laughs> <laughs> in the wake of the writer's strike, uh, where do you see streaming five years from now? Well, I think uh, I see it where it is now, but only amplified. It is where most people receive their entertainment. Yeah, uh, I think the broadcast networks will continue to diminish in their importance. Uh, it'll always be there because of the access of an, uh, of an antenna not paying for it, um, that it's free over the air and the like, but streaming, uh, internet connections cost less than ever before. There's so much competition between 5G and Wi-Fi and all of these things that make it more and more affordable. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation because how many streaming networks can you subscribe to? Right you know, Hulu and Disney and Netflix and BritBox and all of them. There, there's so many of them. Criterion Channel, all of that. Although I think that's been subsumed into Max these days. But uh, but there's just so many. There, there'll be consolidation, but it will be the primary way that people get their entertainment and uh, including overwhelming theatrical. Yeah, I think I think uh, cable subscriptions are going to continue to go down. Streaming subscriptions are going to go up. There'll be a lot of musical chairs, like Mick said. Um, but yeah, I mean, streaming isn't going away anytime soon. I think the fire hose of content we saw during the pandemic will go away. I think it'll be a more modest amount of, of content coming through the pipelines. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a cornerstone of our business moving forward, which is why... Uh, before any of these bad habits that streaming has created with business affairs practices calcifies any further, uh, this strike will hopefully fix some of those things and make it so it is a fair and lucrative business for uh, the studios moving forward and for the people who make the content. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the most crucial strike that the WGA has participated in since its formation. Yeah, I agree. So if you're in town, if you're in LA and you want to uh, go check out a picket line and, and walk in solidarity with the writers, we'll, we'll be there all week. Uh, yep. you know, <laughs> At we'll, least. Uh, if, if probably all summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Mondays to Fridays outside of all the major studios. Um, you know, there's there's other ways. And, you know, if you if you can't be local, there's other ways to support. You know, keep keep fighting online, keep complaining to the studios that they need to make a deal. You know, um, it's not day, that we're it's not that the guild is greedy. It's just no. looking for even a modicum of fairness, and and it's it's really important. And I know that a lot of people think this is a very niche issue, and it is in some ways, but it's also representative of what's going on in industries throughout the country with with union non-union all these issues that come up that affect everybody so i know those of you who are listening are particularly interested in the way that the film business works many of you work within the industry 
and we really appreciate your support and just listening to to the issues i think is important and we yeah and we, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled amas uh <laughs> next time uh and we'll, we'll keep you abreast on on how things are going but uh you know we'll we'll, we'll get back to the uh you know, which Stephen King uh, books would Mick like to adapt next time. Uh, <laughs> All right. Thank you, Producer Joe. And thank you, everybody out there. And we'd love to get your comments at uh, askmickanything at gmail.com. And please, if you're enjoying the show, um, rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. It really helps a lot. It's very important to us. And one last thing, I am so excited that this week, we won the prestigious Rondo Award for the best podcasts out there. And thank you so much for your votes. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. And we really appreciate it and uh, look forward to more. Yeah, it was a big win for the whole team. And we, we couldn't be more grateful uh, to our fans for, for helping make Postmortem the podcast of the year. Uh, yeah, there we go. So thank you, cool. Joe. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Mick. Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Postmortem with Mick Garris is produced by Mick Garris and Joe Russo. Our sound engineer is Christopher Leon Price. Our announcer is Jeff Gelb. Our graphic designer is John Holland. And our theme was composed and performed by Bill Burney with additional music by John Jasensky. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.